you're here for spoilers we're gonna get to the spoilers we just saw the batman give us a second to <laughs> give us a second to process it uh we just got back from an hour ride from the imax seeing the batman for the first time at a special fan screening and oh my gosh that is a movie uh, it was so good if you clicked this video and you haven't seen it go see it i know people are like oh it's three hours long i could have sat there for longer it yes. was so good the performances were amazing it felt really surreal like blade runner vibes meets also very grounded like batman is in my city right now or behind me yeah <laughs> um <laughs> at like a zodiac seven detective true detective vibe yeah it, it was really just like i don't even know what movie to compare it to and that's i think why it was so amazing it was very unique multi-genre multi-faceted a plus movie from both of us i think yeah one of our favorite movies we've seen in the theater in a long time go check it out okay also, I'm Trey. And hey, I'm Kelsey. We're going to do a deep credits. dive also later on this week. So check back after you see it. All right, let's get to spoilers, Trey. Yes. Okay, this is the extra credits where we are going to break down the Batman. The first thing I want to think about when thinking about this movie is the inspiration. But before we do, I feel like we should probably talk about the plot a little bit, but quickly. You yeah, break down maybe, maybe not three plot, acts? but like... Yeah, it felt like a play that Matt Reeves yes. like put on. Okay. But I, not mainly the plot points, because I don't really love when people go through that, but like kind of the themes that we went through in this movie. It was very much like an anti-hero uh, arc, and we see Batman at his beginnings. Um, I mean, it's second year Batman, but he's working with Gordon, and he opens the movie by telling us he's terror, he's fear, it's his main tool, he's in the shadows, he's basically like the boogeyman of Gotham, yeah. and he feels justified in that, like he feels justified as a vigilante. Yeah, he's validated. Yeah, until the Riddler, uh, serial killer, who he doesn't know the Riddler um, yet, yeah. or I don't even know if they call him the Riddler. I don't think so, yeah, but he's going... He just became the Riddler at the end, just like how Batman became right. Batman at the end. Okay. Yeah. And he sends him a letter, okay? And Batman's like, wait, am I a part of this too? Why would I inspire someone to basically commit this crime? Right. So then we go into like the second act where he is in contact with all these people, Gordon, Selina Kyle, Alfred, Alfred. and he yep. kind of becomes more humanized to the audience, I think. Yeah, like, he starts like learning I guess how to feel. Yeah. He's like learning these gray areas and kind of coming into contact with these questions about what is like my philosophy or purpose in being Batman. Yeah. And then we get to the third act where he's really like faced uh, with those contradictions. The hypocrisy to, of yeah. his hero and what he's done. Exactly. Yeah. And we get that amazing scene in Arkham jail yes. with the Riddler and basically it's too late uh you know batman like we'll talk about that scene later because that was amazing. we'll get to the joker okay. we'll, we'll get there oh no no i mean like the actual scene where he's with the riddler talking to oh him. well that's a great that's a, yeah that's yeah we'll, we'll get to that because i think that's like a huge uh groundbreaking scene for batman but basically it's too late and he uh is still coming to terms with his past and who he is but there's so many people who die in the process. Um, but ultimately it moves him at the end of this story to like move from fear as a tool to hope as a tool. Exactly. So we're going into brighter times, hopefully in this trilogy. I, for think, Batman. I think what separates this movie from any Batman depiction we've seen on screen so far is that Matt Reeves said, I'm going to give a true depiction of an antihero 
on screen and maybe even more true than a lot of graphic novels or comics have done, which is you're not supposed to like Bruce Wayne. You're not supposed to want him to be an entrepreneur and be suave or even like this Batman character yet. Maybe the whole trilogy, but definitely not yet. And that is quite the gamble for Warner Brothers and Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson, frankly, with his career, even though we big Robert Pattinson household, The Lighthouse, one of my faves and one of our favorite actors. Uh, but it's a gamble for the whole crew, to be honest, to kind of create a character that is a beloved and often romanticized and then kind of trying to deconstruct him being a vigilante and deputizing himself. And so these acts, full circle, give us a full anti-hero's journey, a lot like Zuko from the Avatar The Last Airbender yes, series. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen an anti-hero kind of arc like this done better than when I saw it from Zuko so it was just incredible I mean a great full story I loved it yeah and I think uh Robert Pattinson when he was doing the press tour for this movie it was talking about when his agent came to him with this oh, yeah. role and she was like you know or I don't I don't know actually uh his agent just came to him and was yeah, like, no, Hey, was. do you want to play Batman? Yeah. Like, I don't think you'd want to because you only like to play freaks. And he was like, Batman is the biggest freak. Like I, yes, I want to play Batman. The guy with the cape. Yeah, no, he's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got that. The biggest freak ever. So they knew what they were getting themselves into. And like from Reeves in the writing to Fraser and do, doing the cinematography and the lighting and the sets. And then also uh Giacchino, Michael Giacchino, with the amazing score. score, oh my god, it's been talked about enough, but maybe not enough. It's going to be nominated yeah, for an Oscar next year. Yeah, they went from like year. club music to like rock music to orchestra. Yeah, it was so good, and it basically changed up the vibe. Like even yes. even within one scene, but it worked for me. I yeah. have no idea. Um, and I don't know if any other people out there heard those Harry Potter vibes in there. Um, Half Blood Prince for vibes some in of there it, for some of the score for sure. <laughs> But yeah, score yeah. is so good. Okay, I think we should talk about like some of the performances, deep some of the dive. characters. Let's yeah. deep dive into so some the, of the this performances. This is a really like character, yeah. uh, you know, story. So let's do it. Yeah, I think okay. the first person we meet that is a friend to Bruce or an ally is Alfred, and we've his m- first friend, his only friend, <laughs> and Alfred has he's gotten a lot of backstory in the Nolan trilogy and I think Reeves is really smart in his writing of this movie not only because of the anti-hero journey but trying to sway away from doing too much of what we've already seen he didn't want to give us the build-up of Alfred and uh Bruce Wayne's relationship and Alfred's kind of kind of I don't know frustration with Bruce Wayne instead Alfred sort of feels bad for Bruce and Bruce is kind of like a rebellious teenager at the beginning of this movie to Alfred which was an interesting relationship yeah this was the only part of the movie that I felt a little bit skeptical like am I going to like this Batman because he comes back from like fighting crime at night yes and he's like Alfred you're not my dad and I was like (laughs) aren't you like 40 like what (laughs) is going on it just felt so weird yeah um but obviously like i think in the writing it was something that we were supposed to see batman grow and and just have like a a better understanding of the world and not be so i guess like trapped by his past um but it was still like a definitely a weird moment (laughs) they were definitely revealing in that moment that bruce wayne at that point in time october 31st whatever year this was was ignorant naive immature and not ready for to be called batman definitely ready to be called vengeance Vengeance. and and ready to not acknowledge everything in his past and everything that he is a part of which this movie 
dives into. But Alfred is kind of there to hopefully be a little bit of a moral guide. And so are a lot of his allies in this movie. Like even like, let's go to Gordon. Like Gordon is a, definitely a moral compass for Bruce in this movie and Batman for this. Movie. Oh yeah. Gordon was actually maybe one of my favorite characters in this movie because his comic nice. relief to the self-serious Batman was so good. He, he was, was like, hilarious. we've been out there for like two years. I don't even know who you are, man. <laughs> or when he was trying to break Batman out of the jail with all the cops there. He was oh like, yeah. He's We're like, going to have to, you out of here yeah, like, poke it. yeah 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 hits him in the chest <laughs> that's so good here are the keys yeah it was so good and i just i mean i loved gordon's character because you just knew that he was like a moral character and you knew his yeah. philosophy a normal and, person yeah and then he, while he was like quietly just like doing his job and doing what was right yeah but weirdly like the writing for him we didn't have a lot of philosophical quotes uh that I guess like stuck out in the movie and I think we'll see that though as the trilogy goes on yeah I think so they're definitely setting us up I mean for the comics that people are referencing for what the sequel could look like Gordon's gonna play a big part in the second movie probably if that happens but yeah I mean that scene specifically I just want to note really quickly that scene where he gives him the keys and he like is he goes out of there that scene was wild it felt so realistic Batman running through the the police station of Gotham uh, City's police station and then jumping off into his bat suit and flying in the air and then hitting a bridge and then just and totally eating it. crashing that oh was frightening like i thought i was like oh christian bale gets beat up he's got bruises he's doing push-ups he's eating drinking a smoothie in the morning this is very realistic my guy eats it on a bridge <laughs> like robert pattinson like looked like he broke a leg in that scene that was crazy um that was but yeah, wild i forgot about that yeah that, that was nuts it was really quick too the way that happened but yeah gordon is i think like a true detective like how you said earlier like character here like it's almost like Bruce Wayne, I mean, well, Batman is like the Matthew McConaughey detective, if you've seen True Detective. And Gordon is like the Woody Harrelson detective, where Woody Harrelson's just trying to tell other cops, like, hey, I know this Matthew McConaughey character <laughs> is weird as hell, but like, we need this guy. You No, no, you don't understand. We need him. And there's this kind of like transactional relationship between Gordon and Batman that reminds me a lot of Batman the Animated Series, where they're working together on cases but they're also doing what each other can't do, which is like one's working within the institution, one is working without it, like outside of it. And they also have an emotional, I think there is an emotional relationship there where Batman really trusts Gordon. And like when he leaves him at the end, he's like, you're a good cop. And that might seem like, not a lot to be said, but that's just he, but kind of He just said, I love you to him, okay? That basically <laughs> is what he said. Like, you're my best friend. <laughs> uh, and I think they did a really good job of, again, this movie is masterful. I, I, actually, I don't even know if I've said this, but it's masterful at show, don't tell. And they do a great job of showing the relationship that's been built over only two years between Gordon and uh, Bruce and I've never I didn't really catch myself in the movie being like ah, I wish we had a little bit of a backstory here because I love the fact that we didn't get any backstory or any kind of repetition about a backstory but I could have I would have paid more money to go see Gordon and Bat Batman meeting for the first time because you're right I think he might have been one of my favorite characters too Gordon so like they had a, just such a cool relationship and yeah. then and then with the third person the third ally which was surprising Catwoman. I thought Catwoman was going to be a little bit of more of a villain in this one. Yeah, I definitely thought like going into it that even though they would have some sort of relationship yeah. or um, they'd be allies that she would maybe betray him in the end because of the traditional like Catwoman arc. Yes. But I loved uh, the Catwoman story. I loved that Selena Kyle kind of brought gray into Batman's very black and white 
uh, view of the world and why he was fighting crime. Like he was talking about choices and like, I made my choices, you know, the people who I'm, the people who I'm basically uh, beating up in the streets made theirs. And she's like, choices. Yeah, like, consequences, choices. You sound yeah, like, like a like, rich white dude. Yeah, she was like, these illusions of choices. Like, she uh, really helped bring these, like, philosoph- philosophical questions to Batman. Yes, yeah. Um, and not only that, for the audience, was also a way to see what exactly what she was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't have choices. Like, she just had what she needed to do to survive. Um, yeah, her environment was very restrictive, whereas Batman's was very, Bruce Wayne's is very open. He has a lot of resources and opportunities, and she has to, she's in a world where she's co- constantly objectified to survive. So, like, she definitely kind of kept him in his place. Like, my guy definitely went back to the Batcave and was like, white fragility, chapter one. <laughs> like, I, I will understand now. Uh, and that was pretty funny and interesting. Yeah, so they did a great job with her, too. Like, we, I just didn't think going into this that Catwoman was going to be, there was not going to be any kind of mystery mysterious vibe around her kind of maybe being with the Riddler I definitely knew that they were going to do this romantic thing going into it because of the comics that I've read and the graphic novels but I for sure at one point was like nah she's working with Riddler like she's a part of the scheme yeah so they kind of got me that yeah I didn't know either but I think uh the romantic relationship between them I'm still like iffy on I really liked their friendship though um yeah I've felt like the kiss was forced a little bit yeah it felt yeah. like strange just because i think because in those moments they were having them play like these hyper um like she was playing the hyper like sexual uh they're both very physical of, of catwoman's character and then his writing was like i'm this stunted boy who is like you just kissed me it was kind of like strange yeah, he so was like- i don't i like their friendship though and i liked how they were um like interacting and uh, especially when she and when they met each other, like in her apartment, like those were that really was cool really scenes. cool. Great introduction yeah. for her. Also, yeah. that scene of, of him breaking into the the ice lounge, iceberg lounge, yeah, iceberg lounge, like was so dope. Like and sh- and showing Catwoman after that fight scene with Oz, who we'll get to in a second, showing her being super perceptive and like reading the evidence on the table while Batman and Oz are talking to one another. It was so cool to see them do a backstory where Catwoman is a detective and not just like a prowler and like robbing people's homes. It was cool to see her like just spot things and be very perceptive. That was really, really cool. Uh, And I think she's my favorite Catwoman since Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I really loved the Gotham TV show portrayal of uh, young Selena Kyle from Carmen Bicondova, something like that. I'm sorry if I messed that up, but she was great too. Um, okay, so the allies that kind of give that moral compass to Bruce and Batman. Yes, which so is I think awesome. we covered friends. Let's move Should to foes? enemies. Nice. Okay, I thought we were going to be on the same page there. <laughs> Oswald Cobblepot. Oz, yes. which I kind of wasn't pro when reading that he was going to be called Oz before walking into this movie, but I liked I liked the whole Oz thing. I loved the whole comic book Goodfellas character. Am I going to whack you? Am I not? Like there was something like just a little bit sporadic and volatile about his character and Colin Farrell does an amazing job, which a lot of people are saying. And it seems like the biggest reaction out of this movie that people were like, that was Colin Farrell. Also, he was amazing. And the makeup artist needs to get all the money in the world. Yes. The yeah. makeup was so much better than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. At, like a plus. Good yeah, job. I mean, good was, job, Colin. <laughs> yeah, he did. Colin, he did a great job. Uh, there was also a scene where he was shooting the machine gun and he just looks so frightening 
and the way he was shooting it so sporadically. And it also we got the car chase with him. Car chase was great. Which also, I'm not I a car love guy, how but when he when he like flipped, he was like hanging, you know, upside down. But yes. like he definitely put a seatbelt on, which I just thought was like so funny yeah. that he like jumped in the car. He's a safe guy. He's a safe guy. Um, he just and, breaks some rules. Yeah, and then I loved also when him, Gordon, and Batman were like under that bridge and they left him there. Yes, and, and I was had, like, oh, like Gordon he was, like, wobbling out. Like yeah, a yeah, like the penguin. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked a lot of so the good. like when he flips and Batman looks at him under his car and Batman's kind of like this, like looking at him when he has flipped. There was a lot of these in this movie, a lot of these sideways shots. And I yeah. was like a freak in the theater being like trying to make eye contact because I wanted to see <laughs> what their eyes look like because I'm weird. Um, okay. Oswald was cool. The one thing I didn't like too much about the, uh, I guess, mob was the Falcone story. Like, I don't know if yeah, that makes sense, but I like Totoro, John Totoro, who plays Falcone, did a great job. But the character, I don't know, left a lot to be desired for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it was Totoro's, like, fault because I believed him as his character. It was just the yeah. writing and also that plot point, which we'll get into in nitpicks in a minute, mm-hmm. about the Thomas Wayne past. And um, that just felt kind of like a diverge. Uh, it diverged from the storyline and it got a little bit confusing. So, um, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it in the nitpicks. Yeah. Okay, last one, probably the most important one, is the Gotham serial killer who isn't named as Riddler yet, but that is Riddler. That's our Edward Nigma or Nashton in this case. Uh, he played by Paul Dano. He was amazing. Uh, I don't. And I mean, one of our favorite movies is Prisoners. We have the poster right here. Shout out Denis Villeneuve and Prisoners. Uh, and it's like he's playing that character with a microphone. He is so wild. He's so wildly traumatic, that character. And yeah, what he does is Yeah, he's definitely like in a horror movie, uh, this character. Yes. And Paul Dano's so good. Like, if you were surprised by his performance, go watch his stuff, watch Prisoners. Yeah. But, yeah, horror movie. But I loved uh, the Riddler and kind of what they were doing with his character and the writing of his arc because... Mm-hmm. They were touching on, I think for the first time, like social media and his like even his 507 followers and loyal. Yeah. And just like dark web Twitch. Was that like a dark web? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it was just like really interesting how then they moved from the cards like to the Batman and Mm -hmm. okay. Who's this like psychopath, like uh, killer serial killer in this movie to then at the end, um, basically turning a mirror to Bruce Wayne, which yes. like ironically, because Bruce Wayne could see his reflection in that scene where he's in oh, interrogation Arkham. Scene. Yeah. Yep. When he's in Arkham and Batman goes to see him. Uh, I, I thought it was a, a perfect character choice mm-hmm. because basically Riddler is just calling out all the contradictions of Batman. Like I, I even got caught even in the trailer and throughout the whole movie, like this anxiety of the Riddler finding out that Batman was Bruce Wayne. Like yeah. I thought that was like the worst thing that could happen because yes. it was Batman's biggest anxiety. Yeah, I don't know ego, if you journaled about it. His but ego took over. Yeah, yeah, his ego. And then when we're in that scene and Riddler is, you know, just like talking about how he's a part of this, like Batman's yeah. a part of this yeah. and that Bruce Wayne's uh, struggles as like an orphan are 
uh, romanticized by the city because everyone loves to see like a billionaire orphan and have this is like the sad story of the yes. city when in reality like this is Paul Dano's reality as an orphan and people don't want to look at that because it's difficult um, Bruce Wayne or Batman couldn't come to terms with that like he hadn't like really thought about it I guess or come to terms with those hypocrisies and himself and his purpose read a book Bruce you gotta yeah, get out go on, to the library um, but anyway <laughs> And he, instead of solving the rest of the, you know, clues or solving the rest of the case, couldn't contain himself and just started like calling him uh, pathetic and just like going off on the Riddler because he couldn't stand to be associated with him because he felt like that was like too close and real. And so instead he basically made it so he cost all these people their lives instead of trying to solve the case. Yeah. It was like the Riddler was like, yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be able to solve this case, but, or you could just sit there and wonder if like, I know who you are basically. And like, that's what he did. I mean, 10, like I'm assuming thousands of people died because of that flood which is pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. They didn't really like touch on it that much because Batman saved everyone, yeah. but I'm just, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I guess a few other things on the Riddler really quickly, like his theme song was frightening. That was a lot. Uh, like I'll never be able to hear that song again. And also the idea that he was inspiring these capital riot, like rioters to kind of go out to the, uh, Bella reels election, um, cause I think she was just inaugurated to become the new mayor mm-hmm. and also Bella real be real. Pretty interesting. And, uh, and just seeing all those people up there was frightening cause it just felt so realistic. So they did a great job writing his character and Paul Dano did a fantastic job playing that performance, especially that we were talking about that jail scene. Yeah. It was like a grounded, also the stadium scene was like a grounded Bane scene. Like yes. no one's actually going to blow up a uh, football field. So like we can watch it and be fearful, but still be like, Oh, well they can't blow up a football field. But like, right. This was something that was actually terrifying and, and felt grounded and felt like a horror film uh, yes. towards the end. So, yeah. And we're not going to talk, we're going to do a deep dive on the Batman with spoilers, like a lot of spoilers, a deep dive later this week. So hit the notification bell too, to get that, that podcast and the YouTube video. But we'll talk about this more then, but this movie truly is living in the basement of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Like this movie is so dark and way more grounded and not dreamlike at all, like the realistic dreamlike depiction of Batman in the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Yeah, no safety nets in Matt Reeves world he said it before a movie came out matt reeves was like hey just so you know there's a lot of distance in superhero movies from stakes from the audience to the characters we're removing that they're gonna feel the stakes and you definitely do so that's why i think it's probably my favorite batman movie since the dark knight and maybe my second favorite batman movie ever only after only one viewing so yeah i have amazing. to see it again yeah but... we're seeing it again tomorrow night so we're, yeah. we're gonna know soon um okay so those are all the characters. Those are some deep dives. But what was something that you think you walked away from this movie being like, this was the biggest strength. This was the strength of the film. Hmm. I feel like maybe just from sitting there, it was a movie that you're going to want to sit there and be like, be like, whoa, I have to talk to the person next yeah. to me. We have to sit in this theater and do it. Yes. Um, Not a lot of popcorn movie stuff going on in this. If anything, it's like inedible popcorn display only you yeah you gotta watch and then talk about it yeah i think the biggest thing that that i came away with was the soundtrack and it just felt very unique mm-hmm. um so i i loved it yeah I, that's a great choice i think i'm gonna say the anti-hero journey i think that again to hammer this down like the gamble of taking a beloved romanticized character after the snyderverse which were fun movies in their own right 
But the gamble of taking that character and then making him unlikable and not giving us that billionaire Bruce Wayne and not giving us that cool Batman and giving us somebody that is going through a lot of like mental struggles and probably mental health issues and is dealing with trauma. Like a real Batman would if he's going out in the streets every night with his like iCam Batman. Yeah, he's like painted on Which was so cool, by the way, the like iCam. It looked like a prequel to Heath Ledger's Joker. No, no, I meant the actual like contact lens. Oh, eye camera in the con- Oh, yeah. didn't catch that. Yeah, that was really dope. They did a great job in general with all of the equipment in this movie, even the chest battering kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, but the anti-hero journey was just uh, amazing. It's everything I would have wanted out of a Batman movie, and I'm excited to see if they keep doing that throughout the whole trilogy. Like I do think it was full, full circle. He became the Batman at the end. He cut the cord, the electrical cord, and then basically was baptized, falling into the water at the end, and then leads people out like he's Moses with like I mean a lot of religious tones in, in the movie at the end. And then you have Bella Real talking about the end, like now we can have faith in institutions which means they're probably going to touch on some larger ideas in the sequel. Yeah, which I think brings me to like the things that didn't work for me. Okay. Um, so I feel like in this movie, I mean, there was a lot to tackle. So I feel like Matt Reeves did a great job and the team did a great job. But yeah. yes. there were there was a conversation that was being had about institutions and institutional failures and uh, hypocrisies, mm-hmm. but it wasn't fully, the loop wasn't fully ended. And that I feel like could have been fixed through that Bruce Wayne father story, the Thomas Wayne father story. Like yes. I thought that instead of kind of going on this confusing uh, plot line, um, and it wasn't too confusing. Like I'm, I'll understand it the second time I watched it, but I was it was confused. confusing first time yeah. where it was like Thomas Wayne, you know, uh, wanted to get rid of this reporter or maybe not, you know, get rid, but whatever. Okay. He wasn't like this moral person who was allowing like the free press to do whatever. Obviously it was a smear uh, tactic in his mayoral campaign, but, um, it just got a little confusing and didn't really seem in line with that institutional theme. And, And I feel like it could have been fixed instead of having, the motivation of Thomas Wayne to contact Falcone and say, Hey, can you uh, stop this reporter uh, from putting my wife's um, mental illness on the front page? I feel like it could have been something more of like Batman finding out or Bruce Wayne finding out the secrets of his dad being a part of this problem that is creating crime. Like that is, that is a, a piece of, you know, something that, creates larger problems. And I thought that would be so much in line and uh, be able to at least close the loop a little bit with the institutional issues, like conversation that I feel like was trying to be had, but wasn't fully there. Agree. And that's probably because it's a one movie of a potential trilogy. Fair. It'll probably go so, into it. Yeah. You know, Matt Reeves did say he made the movie he wanted to make. So if he doesn't get the trilogy, it's fine. This movie's going to make a billion dollars. It looks like, like that's what it's expected. So he'll get the trilogy and it does look like with the Bella real character, they're going to touch on the institutional stuff, but you're right. He did kind of irresponsibly put his finger on the pulse of institutional things like economic segregation and kind of free press being taken advantage of by those who have a lot of influence and corrupt uh, crime, having a lot of influence over local government and police, like, but then kind of jumped out of it very quickly and went back to the anti-hero Batman story, the arc, the hero Batman arc. And that did feel like 
maybe he was trying to throw a lot into one movie because he didn't want to make a movie that was just a part of a trilogy, which I respect. It's kind of just being like, all right, well, hopefully we get more out of this. Uh, but I agree with that criticism. That's, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, okay. The only other criticism I have, which leads us to our last talking point in this, in this video is the Joker. The Joker. Criticism is a tough word. I forgot for a second. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a part of the problem. Uh, the, that scene with Riddler and Joker in cells next to each other, played by Barry Keegan, I believe that's how you say his name. Could be wrong. Let me know in the comments. Uh, that scene was just kind of out of nowhere for me. It just felt like a little bit like I was hoping that Bella Real was going to be like in her office and Bane was going to walk in and then, or Joker. And then he's like, all right, are we going to, are we going to do this now? Like I was hoping for that political corruption ending. Like they were going to talk about the institutional stuff going into the second one. Instead, we kind of got a Joker being like, you know, giving the Riddler his key card, his uh, cue card and being like, um, like, let me tell you a riddle or whatever he says. And then he starts laughing and they laugh together and they show his face and it looks like he has a prosthetic on and he seems more like he's Green Goblin, for like a Dan Dehan Green Goblin from Amazing Spider-Man, like PTSD about that character. And hopefully he's not anything like that because Barry Keegan's a great actor, American Animals, Eternals a bunch of great movies. He has a lot of layers to his face, frankly. And so he should be really cool as Joker. It was more the kind of just throw in scene that was. Yeah. It felt very comic booky and it felt like yeah. how you could introduce any other character, but like Joker is so huge. So, I mean, it didn't like ruin the, the movie by any means or for ending. me, but no, yeah. yeah, but it felt like I did. I did feel like it was underwhelming. Like, for that reveal that the Joker's going to be in the second movie. But that definitely felt like hey. a studio choice. Yeah. That did not feel like a Matt Reeves choice. But I'm here uh, for it still. Yeah, you can tell what the Matt Reeves choice is because the movie ends with Batman driving out of his parents' cemetery and leaving his past behind. Mm -hmm. Like, that was a very clear homage to you're going to get the Dark Knight in the sequel. Not the Dark You guys know what I mean. So, like, that's... That's really exciting. Also, him and Catwoman going opposite ways. Like, that's probably going to allude to what happens oh, in like the second movie. Oh, like we'll see movie. Catwoman again? Yeah, but meaning, like, she's not going to be as cool with Batman as she was in this movie. And I think mm -hmm. that's definitely what's going to happen. And then probably even team up with the Joker and Riddler. Interesting. Yeah, I think that could happen. Interesting. Okay, y'all. Okay. That it? Thank you for tuning in. This has been The Extra Credits. Please leave us a comment below. Who's your favorite Batman villain? Mine is Red Hood and joker okay we'll get into that in the deep, the dive. deep dive later yeah. this week okay hit hit the like button but let us know in the comments yeah let us know in the comments who your favorite batman villain is subscribe if you like what you hear and thank you for tuning in this is the extra credits i'm trey and i'm kelsey see ya peace <laughs> <laughs>